Welcome to an Ember Young Adults Conference podcast. We pray this message would reignite a fresh fire in your life today. Hi, Ember Conference. So good to be with you this morning. I feel very um, blessed and privileged to have the honour to come and share with you. So thank you, Amy and Nelson, um, for inviting us. Um, Yes, please. So um, I know you've heard from Ben a lot. He's been here quite a number of times over the years, and I have come once with him. Um, I can't remember how many years ago, but I came and um, was just here on a Sunday with him. But I've... um, So you've never seen me up here, so hi, and you know, it's wonderful to be here with you, but um, we have, and I know Ben shared a little bit of your story, but we have our story. We've got three beautiful boys, they're crazy, they're rambunctious, they're full of energy, they tire me out sometimes, but I love them to bits, and we call them our Neapolitan family because they're all slightly different colours, our... um, Hence, you know, the gene pool that they come from. So our eldest boy, Amos, he is, we call it, kind of call him a bit of a latte. So he's, he's kind of the colour we thought that would come out, you know, like he's a lovely tanned colour and he's just gorgeous and um, he's finer featured and, um, he, you know, we were like, yeah, we thought we'd produce something like that. And then number two boy come along, Joshua, and he, we called him Joshua, and he come out and he had the round, buffer-tonging head. And he's, he's more of a chocolate colour, so he's darker than Amos. And so he was a real throwback to our Tongan side. And um, he is definitely Tongan in personality and nature as well. He's a little ball of muscle. He's a go-getter. He's a mover and a shaker. He's my bulldozer, where there is no way he is making a way. Um, and then I have our last boy, Ifalemi, and he is our vanilla. So I got a look in on the last one. Yay! And, um, and he's just such a delight. He's a very sweet personality. Um, he's, he's quite creative, and so I'm believing he's going to, you know, one day he'll be up worshipping God on stage, um, and he's quite a soft, sensitive young man. So he's, well, he's a boy. He's not a man yet, but he's just gorgeous. I'm a far north Queensland girl, born and bred in Innisfail, further north than here. But um, I love the country. I love, you know, getting back. Um, and everyone always makes fun of us country people. We talk, apparently we, we, we talk slower than everyone else. I don't know how true that is. But anyway, um, but I love coming back and, um, you know, coming back to the, the roots, I suppose, a little bit of, um, so flying, I grew up in Flying Fish Point, which is on the coast of Innisfail. But, and my dad was a, um, used to log timber back in the day and then um, became a banana farmer and we, you know, because we're in the country, we had cattle and geese and all sorts of things and and so it's nice to kind of get back to a slower pace of life sometimes than the Gold Coast where we are now, although I feel like Gold Coast is a bit of a a big country town as well. So, um, but it's not quite, you know, here or the far north Queensland. So, um, but thanks for having me. And that's a little bit about who I am. I was saved when I was 24 up in Cairns and have been on a whirlwind um, ride with God ever since. Can I tell you, being a Christian is the best thing ever. I have lived an unsaved heathen life for 24 years. And I can tell you that being a Christian is far better than the other. I have um, lived in victory now and freedom and I have such a joy that I never ever had when I walked without Jesus. I have, you know, I have such a confidence in who I am in him and who he is to me. And he, can I tell you, he is an awesome God. He is so good. Um, but anyway, let's open up the word. So Hebrews 12, 1 to, do, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you that you are such a good father. I thank you that you love us so much. Your love is so unconditional. And I thank you that you had such a great love for us that you sent your precious son Jesus to die on the cross. And Father, I ask and pray that this morning that you would flow through this vessel to minister and touch your people in here today, Lord. Father, to bring them into... um, a closer knowledge of who you are and who they are in you and the course that you have set for each and every one of them, the race that you have purposed for them to run this morning, Lord. Father, that there would be freedom and liberty in the house this morning, Lord. And Father, we just give you all the glory in advance for what you're going to do in and through this session in your precious name. Amen. You know, this scripture is... um, It's an exhortation to be constant and to persevere, no matter, you know, what's coming at us. And each and every one of us are called to run a race. And this race is unique to us. Although we're running it all together, it's almost like we have our own little lane that we have to run in. And that lane comes with all sorts of nuances and obstacles and things that come at us. And... um, But we're called to persevere. We're called to push on. We're called to continue. It's not a 100-meter sprint. We're not not seeing the goal set there and we're, we're running as fast as we can to it. It's like we're on this long endurance race. And, but, you know, God is such a gracious God. He doesn't set things, you know, sometimes too far off where we get discouraged and we feel like we can't ever make it. He always has little things for us to reach just to keep us going. He's so wonderful. But, um, you know, when I think of, of this race and that we're running, I was reminded of Ben's cousin, Emma, who was a pole vaulter way back in the day, and she's, she's a Commonwealth medalist, yeah? Emma? Yeah. And so Ben come home, he, so she was living in Perth at the time, and we were youth pastoring up in Mackay, and he'd gone over to Perth to do, I think, a wedding, and, but he'd stayed with them, and, and Emma um, was, was in her, her regime of what she does for pole vaulting, and um, he come home and he shared all of his findings that he had, and he said, oh, man, Emma's like, she's next level. Because Ben's been a sportsman and we've all been sports people. You know, we've played netball or we've done rugby or we've done whatever. And it's been fun and it's just been something we've done. But Emma was professional. And when you're professional, there's things that you, you know, that you have to implement and that you want to do. And... Um, and I think it's something that we can, even as every sportsman, that we can apply to our lives. And I think as Christians, we need to apply to our lives. And so Emma would, when Ben went over there, he's like, Ash picked him up, that's his cousin, and, and he's um, brought him into the house and he said, oh, Ben, help yourself to whatever you want in the fridge. And he opened the door and he said, now, this side of the fridge is mine and this side of the fridge is Emma's. Help yourself to whatever you want from my side of the fridge. So, and Ben was like Ash's side, there was Coke, there was chocolate, there was all this rubbish and stuff. And Emma's side, there was all these bags of labelled, you know, um, fruit and veggies. And she had her morning tea, her afternoon tea, her lunch, everything was itemised and labelled. And it was, you know, she had this strict diet that she had to adhere to. And she had her waters and, you know, hydration things and everything that she had to do. And Ben was like, whoa. Anyway, and then he goes, oh, man, come outside. Look at our spa. It's really cool. And so they're out looking at the spa, and he goes, you can sit on any, any jet, just not this one. This one's specifically for Emma. These jets target every, you know, every muscle in her group that needs doing, and she's, she's got this injury at the moment, and so it's targeting that area specifically in her back and in her thighs and stuff. And then, um, and then there'd be like... She's got her running technique, so she had to adjust her grip for, for when she's running up with the pole vault and to get it over the mat and, and um, 
And then she's practicing on her landing, how she's landing things and not to cause herself injury. And then she also has to look at her sleep. She has to get to bed at a decent time. You know, she's, she's timed things. She's like, you know, it was like they were sitting, having a conversation. She's like, oh, see, I'm going to bed. And off she got and she went, hopped into bed. And then she's up early and she's training and she's doing all these things. So as Christians, we're all called, each of us, to do something specific for God. Something unique to us. And, um, you know, on this journey... We pick up things. Sometimes, you know, and most of the time we don't intentionally grab things. But just like Emma had to assess her grip on her pole vaulting, her um, and how she's landing. Sometimes she had to adjust her hydration fluids for where she was at. She had to adjust the jets for the injuries that she was going through. We as Christians need to look and assess our journey with God and and the things that we're doing because sometimes we pick up things. And so I just want to give you four things that we need to assess regularly and that we need to let go of to continue in our journey with God. So I kind of titled this message a bit, um, it can either be two things, it can either be let go slash shake it off. So you can do a bit of Tay-Tay, shake it off, you know, we're going to shake everything off. Or you can do a bit of Frozen, we're going to let it go, let it go. So, you know, whatever, you know, whatever these, or whatever these, you know, so when I give these um, these points, if, there, if there's something that, so, so for some of you, it'll just be like a little thing that we can shake off. For some of you, it's going to be something that you're going to have to let go of. So the first thing, I've got a few little props here, is unforgiveness. Who knows that when we journey through life, there's unforgiveness that we will constantly have to be dealing with. So forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a decision that we have to make. And the Bible clearly says it's not a suggestion, but it's a command. And it's beneficial to us. It's medicine. Unforgiveness is medicine to our souls. And it's releasing to us and it's empowering. So this rock is like unforgiveness that sometimes we've just picked up, perhaps not even aware unwillingly, unknowingly, and it's attached itself. I'm going to put it in my back pocket here. And now it's here, and I haven't purposefully necessarily put it there, but it's there. And because an offence, someone said something to me, and now I'm offended by what they've said to me. Can I tell you that while you're breathing, while you're walking and you're living... You're going to come across people. So just pre-warning, precursor, you will have opportunity every moment of the day to be offended and hold on to unforgiveness. But God doesn't want us to hold on to any unforgiveness. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the subject of forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Mark 11.25 says, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And there's many, many more that I could go on with. But um, when I was a kid growing up, some of you probably don't really know what this is. This is an old telephone probably an upscale model of the one I had when I was growing up, but it has a cord. <laughs> and um, when I was growing up, 
My mum was on a phone phone conversation one day and we had it attached to our wall and my, ours was the, the dial. You had the dial and you put your finger in and you go around and it flick back. And um, so just for you young guys who don't really know what that is, this was a telephone back when I was growing up with a cord. And um, so my mum had made this phone call one day. I'd been out playing and I'd come in the house and... Um, there was no one around and I could hear this really fine voice saying, hello, 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 Lynn, Lynn, that's my mum's name, Lynn, are you there, Lynn, are you there, hang up the phone, Lynn, hang up the phone and I'm like looking around going, oh my gosh, what's going on, mum was nowhere to be found and I walked over and mum had had the receiver down like this. So back in the day when you made a phone call, if you didn't hang up, you were attached to whoever your last phone conversation was. Do you know that unforgiveness is like that in our life? When we haven't extended forgiveness to that person, we are forever attached to that last moment, that last conversation, whatever it was that happened in our lives, we are attached to that. And um, when so some of these cords used to be quite big, so when this is attached to you, can you imagine you're doing life, you're walking, oh, you're turning, oh, now it's caught, and I'm twirling, twirling around, it's now around my leg, and I'm dragging it everywhere. That's what unforgiveness is in our lives. It affects every area of our life, whether we like to think so or not. So as, as believers, we need to be constantly extending forgiveness every time it comes up. Back in Goodna, um, our, we had a little house by the lakes of, of oh, the lakes, the river, the Brisbane River back in Goodna. And Ben and I were out gardening one day. We had this massive garden and um, I just saw this little vine just growing up out of the garden and it had grown and it had started to attach to one of our trees and I was like oh I'm just going to pull that out and I bent down to pull it out and I had to get the mattock because it was quite deep the roots had gone down a long way and so I got it out eventually and then I started pulling and unbeknownst to me this thing this vine had spread and it wasn't just this one little vine that I thought but it had tentacles everywhere all throughout the trees, it had spread over to all sorts of things. And that's what unforgiveness does in our lives. It spreads to so many things and it affects so many things in our life. It affects our speech. It affects how we perceive and see people. And, it, you know, it shows up in our face from time to time. It definitely shows up in our words and our actions when... Um, when someone said something to us and it's like, oh, it's, it just hits that sore point again. Someone said something and it's like, ow, you've hit me again. And it's, and it's not anything that they've necessarily said that was horrible, but it's because it's pushing on that unforgiveness that we've had attached to us. I grew up in a non-Christian home um, my dad was an alcoholic. He was the best father he knew how to be. He um, loved us the best that he knew how to love. But can I tell you that as a young girl growing up, I felt unloved and um, neglected. And there was a lot of hurt that had happened to me um, through through my growing up years with an alcoholic dad and seeing a lot of things that a young girl never should have had to have seen and experienced a lot of things that I never should have had to have experienced. And becoming a Christian, I journeyed with God for a year um, through this unforgiveness and God would just keep bringing things to mind. But my dad was a big one of um, having to release him from things in my life. And, um, but as I just journeyed with God and as I continually just brought my dad before, before him and just laid everything down, just constantly, Father, I just forgive my dad. 
for what, you know, for what he did. Da, 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 da. And, um, and I'd say, Father, I just, you know, I forgive him. I ask that you would bless him. I ask that you would forgive me for holding him at ransom for those things. And um, as I journeyed through that, I had my dad, I, I loved him, but I hated him at the same time. As a girl, I wanted to have a relationship with him, but I hated being around him because I hated who he was. But as I did, as I processed all of this unforgiveness that I had towards him, I got to the place where I would walk up and see my dad and I'd just give him the biggest hug. Hey, dad, how you doing? I love you so much. And it was like there was no anger inside of me anymore. There was no resentment and it was just, I could honestly say I loved him. And I saw as I journeyed and as I grew with God and as I extended the forgiveness that I had received back to him, I saw him soften and change. And, um, and even his drinking stopped. It wasn't as bad. And, um, and then I got to be almost like the parent to him because I had a younger sister who was seven years younger than me. And um, I just started speaking into how he should parent, you know, how you should father her. Dad, you need to be there for her more. You need to, you know, she needs you in her world. You need to start going and doing things with her. And, and, um, but through that process of unforgiveness, the relationship was restored. And then I could, you know, I, I enabled a bit of a repair with my younger sister and him. So she didn't have to foster the same things that I went through, which was awesome. So... You know, sometimes we think, like I kind of briefly mentioned what we do, but sometimes we go, how do we pray that? Oh, what do we do? How do we do that? But, you know, we, we have to pray to God and we have to release them from the hurt that they've caused us, but it doesn't stop there. Then we have to ask, you know, um, God to forgive you for, for holding them at ransom. And then the very last thing is we have to bless them. We have to declare a blessing over them. And sometimes that can be hard to do. But that's what the Bible says to do because that's medicine for our souls. It's releasing for us. The second thing um, that can hold us back from doing all that God's called us to do and that we need to let go of or shake off is fear. Now, fear is a stronghold in our mind. I've got my rock here. I'm going to put it in my front pocket. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the world deals with things so much differently to what the word of God says to do and our weapons aren't our fists or our words or anything that we do but the word of God says that our, the word is our weapon, that we take the word of God, and we, we wield it like a sharp two-edged sword for every circumstance that you're facing, for every situation that you come up against. There is something in the word of God that you can find that is the answer to your situation and you can use it to speak and to declare the promises over that situation. And the divine power is the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He's the power who gives us the strength and the courage to be able to face every fear that we're going through. Proverbs 3, 7 to 8 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You know, the Pro Proverbs reveal, there's many, many verses in Proverbs that I could have used, but Proverbs reveals that when we fear people, it hampers everything we try to do. It, it, there's just all these inhibitors. It just stops us from doing what God has called us to do. You know, the word fear um, is described as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil or pain. Um, it's a concern. It's anxiety. 
It goes on and on. So control is basically, it's debilitating. It causes us to shrink back. It causes us to hide. It causes us to live with anxiety and apprehension about whatever area it is in your life. I had um, a girlfriend of mine who was in quite a severe accident, a road accident. She um, had, was, had just had um, newborn twin girls and she'd been to um, the antenatal class. Is it antenatal? Am I getting that right? After she'd had them and she'd been to her doctor's visit and she was coming home and she had pulled up at a set of lights at the bottom of a hill. And she could see, the light was still red and she could see this big four-wheel drive coming down the hill behind her and he wasn't going slow like she could see that he wasn't necessarily slowing up at the rate he should be anyway the light turned green so she took off thinking okay it'll be fine but anyway he was going too fast and had rear-ended her and um into the light post so she got out of that accident and was completely shaken and when the police and the paramedics and everyone come they said we don't know how you've walked away from this accident. The engine was pushed right up over the front seat, but she got out, she was walking. There was no injuries whatsoever to her, you know, that you could necessarily see, no crushed legs or anything, which is what you would think would happen from that accident. But can I tell you that fear set in at that very moment for her. Every time she got in a car, actually she couldn't get in a car for months and months and months because she was anxious if she got in the car with her husband to go somewhere, she would be sitting on the seat and she'd almost be rocking herself, crying and just like, oh, I can't do this. And he'd be, and her husband was like, it's okay. You'll be okay. Just breathe, you know, take deep breaths, take deep breaths. And so, and she'd be, oh, every time something would happen and she'd be coming up to a corner and it'd be, like, oh, oh, and she was, she was just horrific. And, and so I was, we used to talk with her and just, you know, talk about scriptures and just who she is in Christ and, and um, you know, you have to start meditating on these things and, and declaring them. But do you know that she could have become a recluse and not face those fears, but she continually pushed through. She continually got in that car and did what she knew she had to do. It started off with her husband driving, then she got behind the seat and then drove herself. And even if it was, it started off with just going down the street, which wasn't that far, but was a huge step for her. So just baby steps, but she would not allow that fear that had come in and gripped her heart and her soul to control and dictate to her how she was gonna live her life. Now, I, you know, when you haven't experienced something, sometimes you don't really comprehend what people are walking through and what they're going through. But some years after um, this accident, I was actually rear-ended by someone else, myself. And I found myself from that moment, every time I pulled up at that set of lights, I found myself constantly looking in the rear vision mirror and in the side mirror, second-guessing what people are going to be doing behind me. And it would be, and I could feel like just fear starting to rise up on the inside of me and I constantly had to talk to myself I constantly had to say no you no, this is not of God he's not called me to be fearful and I would just talk to myself and I would you know and I just continue to push through um and so it doesn't it doesn't worry me anymore every now and again I'll be I'll be pulled up somewhere and that thought will come back and I'll be like no no, that's not of God. I'm not, I'm not accepting that. I'm not going to live in that place of fear anymore. And another girlfriend of mine, Robin, she, um, she is a mighty woman of God. She, I'll tell you what, she'll set the place on, on ablaze wherever she goes. But she went through a period for some reason where she was riddled with anxiety and no one would have known that she was riddled with anxiety because she always presented very confident, very um, outgoing, but she went through these years of just feeling so anxious about different things. And um, she said she got in, she just, she, she said, oh, just one day, she said, I just had enough. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So she walked into a room, she shut her bedroom door behind her, and she said, I just got real with God. And I just blurted it all out. I was like, God. I went, you know, she just went on and on. And she said, I'm sick of it. What's 
going on? You know, this needs to stop. And and so, um, and she said, God's peace just come over her. And um, he said, I'm here, Robin. I'm with you. It's okay. And she said she felt um, like the, so she walked out of the room and then um, somehow over the next couple of days she come across a lady called Caroline Leaf, which I'm sure many of you heard about. And she has um, 21 day brain detox. And so Robin said she felt God say you need to do this. So she downloaded the app, you know, the, the app and, and she walked through it and she said, I did it continuously for six months. And she goes, just um, whenever those things would come up, like she said, God would just show me different things that I needed to really start processing and working through. And um, so she's like, you know, I know there's lots of things out there that people do. And she goes, but that's one I can recommend that you do. But she said from after six months, those things that had riddled her for a long time no longer affect her or have any place in her life. So it's just taking captive every thought. We're accessing the truth of God and we're not allowing the lie of the enemy to come and rule and reign and dictate in our lives. So we're meditating on the word, we're using it as our sharp two-edged sword and we're trusting in our heavenly father who knows you, who sees you and is so interested in every area of who you are. The third thing that we need to let go and shake off is worry. Touch it here. And I'm going to put my worry on this front pocket. So Matthew 6, 25 to 34, I've I've kind of paraphrased it a little bit. It says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Um, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And um, Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we see here that worrying's unfruitful in our lives. It's unfruitful for us. Um... Some of you may remember a song way back when it was a little little ditty that went, don't worry, be happy. Do, 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 do. I'm not a singer, I don't know. Do, 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 do. Anyway, and it said, if Ben was up here, he'd belt it out and it'd be amazing. But it was kind of like a reggae feel. It was like a really cool, relaxed vibe. And it was really funky. Oh, here we go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be all right yeah so it says here's a little song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy in every life we have some trouble when you worry you make it double don't worry be happy <laughs> and like we can go oh yeah that's that's awesome that's really cool don't worry but sometimes it feels like an impossibility. You know, we, when you're studying at uni, you're, you're concerned about your assignments, you're concerned about your exams that are coming up and worry sets in and we get stressed. And then when you're a mum and your kids are crazy and you're like, I don't know if I'm being a good mum and I don't know what I'm doing right and they're just not doing what they're meant to be doing and I'm a horrible parent and I'm not doing it right and... Then you're at work and there's all these jobs that have to get done and your, your boss is coming down on you and you're just feeling anxious and worried about it and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's, this is driving me crazy. But Paul advises us to turn our worries into prayer. Yeah? So I always say planning for tomorrow is time well spent. But worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. And sometimes it's difficult to kind of, you know, to to tell the difference between, you know, planning and worrying. 
But um, careful planning, I always say planning ahead is a good thing. I went, um, when I was first saved um, and I felt like God called me to go to Bible college in Sydney, my mum completely flipped out. So this was back in 98, this shows how old I am. Um, I drove down to Sydney. So back in those days, we didn't even have, like they did have mobile phones, but they were like bricks. I'm telling you, they were like this high. And, um, and I didn't have a mobile phone and we didn't have Google on our phones that we could Google where we were going. We had um, Refidexes and they were like these big thick books and you had them for like each state where you were going and you'd have to search where the street was and then it would tell you the map and then you'd have to flick from one page to the next page to get to where you were going. And so here's me, little country girl, never been um, outside of Queensland, um, or well I did, I flew on a plane when I was 16 and a half to Adelaide and spent a few months down there. But driving a car, I had never driven past Townsville. I used to drive to Townsville for sport and that was the extent of my driving and then it was all around Cairns, Innisfail, you know, far north Queensland areas. So my mum is like, you can't do that. Isn't there a Bible college that you can go to on the Gold Coast? Surely, you don't need to go to Sydney. And I'm like, no, mum, I really, this is where I have to go. I really feel that's where I have to go. So um, here's me. I've got my, my, my directory, my street directory, post-it notes. Praise the Lord for post-it notes. They were back in my day. And I had them posted. I had all these little marks on each page of where I had to go. And um, so the first part from like, I, I think I drove from Mission Beach to Rockhampton. That was like 11 hour drive. I had slept overnight there. Then I drove from Rocky to Brisbane. That was like another 11 hour drive. Then, and so that was all kind of like, you know, Mission Beach to Rocky, that's not too stressful. Rocky to Brisbane, a little bit more stressful because now I'm hitting a city that I have never, ever driven in a city in my life. And there's lots of traffic lights and one-way streets and... (gasps) Anyway, I made it. Anyway, so from Brisbane to Sydney, next level. So... On the open highway, perfect, no, no stress, whatever, I'm heading into Sydney and I had, I had pulled over and I had all these, I grabbed my, my post-it notes and I had them all over my, the dash of my car and I had them set up, so I knew I had them all set up where I had to, had to go. So I'm driving along and I'd go, yep, flick that one off. My, my passenger seat was just full of all of these post-it notes, driving, flick, driving, flick, got into Parramatta, Made it to Parramatta. I had to go to Chester Hill, which was a a suburb just over. Drove around in Parramatta. Lost two hours. Two hours. I gave up and I was like, I just don't know what I'm doing because their signs were different to Queensland and I couldn't work out what they were telling me to do. And I was worrying. And um, anyway, so I just pulled into this car park and I'm like, I don't know anyone all these stories of what happens in Sydney, you know, you've got to be kept, especially in Parramatta. Like, you know, there's stabbings and shootings and you don't talk to anyone there because you never know what's going to happen to you. You could be kidnapped and taken away or something. And um, so I'm there and I see this lady coming and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be brave. So I got out of the car. I said, excuse me, um, I need to get to Chester Hill. I'm looking for this street. Um, can you tell me how I get there? And she goes, oh, yes. And it was, she, I had to drive, I think, about another 200 metres. I had driven past that street, I don't know how many times. But, you know, I got there. It was, I think, 7 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night, but I finally made it. But can I tell you that if I had allowed worry to, to dictate what I was going to do, I never, ever would have got in that car and I never, ever would have set off on the journey of going to Bible college, meeting my very handsome husband there. Not Bible college, but bridal college. Just saying, just saying. No. <laughs> Uh, and um, so you can hook up absolutely girls go for it Um, 
And then there was, then, you know, so that was, but I think, you know, in your youthfulness, sometimes, you know, I think when you're younger, things sometimes don't tend to be as concerning for you. So it was just me. I didn't have any, any, you know, ties. I didn't have, wasn't in a relationship, didn't have anything like that. But fast forward five and a half years and it was probably a bit more, seven and a half years, but Ben and I are youth pastoring in Mackay, been there five and a half years and felt God call us to move to Brisbane to start Planet Shakers Bible College. Um, I had a 14-month-old baby, was two months pregnant with baby number two, and we felt like God said, you had to go now. And so we said to Paul, okay, we're going to come. It was halfway through the year, and he said, awesome, you know I can't pay you for until next year when the college actually starts and we're like okay but we just we, that's okay we just feel in God we have to come so we're just taking this step of faith and trusting that God's going to provide for us we had no income didn't know where we were going to live anything like that can I tell you as a mum pregnant with number two a 14 year old worries started coming how are we going to live how are we going to eat? Where are we going to get food from? How are we going to keep the electricity on? And, and so all these things, they come and they, they start, you know, nipping at you. What are you? Don't do that. That's silly. Duh. But it was like, no, I'm stepping out in what God's called me to do and I'm not worrying about what it looks like or how it's going to happen, but I'm trusting. I'm trusting that he's going to be there for me. He's gonna have. He's got our backs. He's got our fronts. He's got our sides. He's got us all round. So we need to worry less. We have to pray more. Bring every worry that we have before Him. Whenever you start to worry, you need to take that thought right there. Just stop whatever you're doing. Say, Father, I'm just giving this to you. I'm not allowing this to come and take hold in my thought pattern. I'm. I'm just casting it off. I'm not allowing it to come and speak to me anymore. The fourth thing that we need to shake off and let go is discouragement. Put it in my back pocket. Discouragement's a loss of confidence and enthusiasm. It's a dispiritedness that just comes upon us and 1 Samuel 1 1 to 20 I'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit but it's about the story of Hannah and when we read about Hannah you know um, we see that she is a woman who is longing to have children and um, it talks about her weeping and grieving in her heart because she hasn't had this long-awaited child that she is so desperate to have and she has every right to be discouraged because that's and back in those days that as a woman if you didn't have a child there was sin in your life there was something wrong with you because children were, were the inheritance and you were judged you were looked down upon you were thought poorly of Here she is, she's unable to conceive, she's considered a failure by everyone around her. They're all thinking this is God punishing her, there's sin in her life. You know, that's why she's barren, because there's all sorts of things going on that we don't know about. She was considered an embarrassment to those around about her um, and her husband. You know, they were like, oh, you know, she's, he should just get someone else because she's terrible. And he had wife number two, um, not going to pronounce this properly, I'm sure, Panea. Um, and she was horrible. She was horrible to Hannah. She would provoke her all the time. And year after year, they would go up and they would give um, offerings and she would taunt her and be horrible to her. And this one time we pick up and Hannah is in and she is pouring out her heart to God and she's weeping before God and she's being honest before God in the you know in the temple and she's bringing her problem before him honestly and she's she's just weeping and she's wailing and she's laying it down before him and um because she'd felt that God had forgotten her 
but she knew that God was also all-powerful. She knew that God was the only person who could help her. So she went to the right place. She went to the right source. She went to her heavenly father because he can help her. And, um, you know, I've had many promises from God that I haven't seen come to pass in my life. And I've had many promises that have. Um, and Ben and I both have. And so for Ben, he um, was believing for his sister Anna to be saved. And we had been praying over her for a long time. And we just felt like she was getting worse. It, our prayers were falling on the ground. She was getting further and further in sin. She was in the music industry. And we were like, man, she, like, she's, oh God, she's, I think she's this one, she's unsavable. You know, you, there's nothing that can happen for her. And, um, but Ben had had people giving him words and prophecies. And so every time we felt like giving up and it was we should stop praying because it's not working, we'd get another word and he'd continue to push on. And, you know, he got a word one time from this lady and she said, I've prayed, I've had the same vision of Anna every night that she was standing on a stage with her hands raised, worshipping God in front of thousands. And Ben was like, that ain't my sister. Like, yeah, she's on a stage before thousands, but she's not got her hands raised or worshipping God. But it caused us to push in more and continue to pray for her. Can I tell you, she is a Christian now. She's got two beautiful children and she is worship leading in her church, loving God, doing all the things that we thought were impossible, but she is. My brother um, is was an alcoholic, he's got addictions like you would not believe. And I always felt like, man, he's never going to get saved. This is never going to happen with him. And he, um, over the course of time, he rings me and he's always intoxicated at those times. And he's, and he's like, oh, sis, how you going? And um, we'd have the same conversation, it felt like, every time. And then this one time I got this phone call and I was like, you know, when you get phone calls and it's from someone like that. And, and I was like, I took a deep breath and I was like, oh, here we go again. Anyway, he was like, hey, Trish, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, good. How are you? He's like, great. He goes, look, I've been reading the word of God and I want to find a church. And, and I'm like, oh, awesome. That's great. Oh, and so, you know, I said, gave him a few names of churches and stuff to go to. And, um, but, you know, sometimes we think, oh, it's just discouragement sets in and it's too hard and it can't happen. But can I tell you that with God, all things can happen. Anything can happen. So we need to not give up. Don't give up. Keep pushing through in prayer. Keep reminding yourselves of those things that have happened in your life. So when you're praying, Father, I thank you for, you know, whatever it is. I thank you for that, for the release in finances that I needed to get to Bible college. I thank you, Father, for the friends that you brought along when I needed them. I thank you, Father. And so you're stirring the faith up on the inside of you. You're reminding yourself of what he's done for you already. And it's sparking within you what he can do because he's a good God. And then you push in. Father, I thank you for my brother. I thank you that you love him more than me. I thank you, Father, that he is going to be saved. I thank you that he's going to be standing in the house of God, that he's going to have his hands raised and worshipping you. And just start pushing in in those things in prayer. It doesn't matter if it hasn't happened because it will. Be persistent. Be consistent and push through. Praise him no matter what. So today, I'm sure many of us have had these things in our lives that um, have caused us to shrink back and not be who God's called us to be. We've all come against unforgiveness. We've all had to deal with fear. We've all had to deal with worry and discouragement. But today I want us to either shake it off. If it's just something that's come and settled, we can shake that thing off. We can get rid of it. But if it's something that's attached like these rocks that are deep in my pockets. We need to let it go. 
We need to get them out and we're going to let them go today. Do you know when we're carrying things? Like I've had these rocks in my pocket for a little bit and they're not huge. But I can tell you if I'm walking a long time with these things in, it's debilitating to me and it shouldn't be. I'm knocking into things. I'm, I'm getting little injuries because of them. Things that, things, little bruises are coming on the inside and attaching themselves unnecessarily because I've got these things that I shouldn't have, that God is saying, they're not ours to hold. They're ours to give to him. Can I ask everyone just to close their eyes and... I just want to just ask, if you're in the place this morning and, you know, for you there's something that, there's an unforgiveness, there's something that is internally within you that you're like, you know what, I'm holding on to unforgiveness and I need to deal with that this morning. Can I ask you to raise your hand? Say, that's me, I've got some unforgiveness that I need to let go of, that I need to shake off, I need to deal with today. Great. Lots of hands going up. Also, if you're in here and there's fear, fear has come and it has gripped you and it's causing you to not progress, it's causing you not to do what God's called you to do. Can I ask you to raise your hand if there's fear, if fear is internally within you, great, awesome. And worry, if there's people in here who who have worry, can you lift your hands as well for me? Awesome, so good, so good. And there's also discouragement. If they're in here and discouragement has come and settled, can you raise your hands high for me as well? Great. There are so many hands that have been lifted across the house this morning. What I would love to do is I would love to pray with you, Ben, and I would love to pray with you. So if that's you and you're in the house this morning and, you, and you've responded to one or more of those things, can I ask you to be bold and to come down the front? And we want to pray with you this morning. We want to um, deal with those things. We're going to shake them off. We're going to get rid of them, shaking them off, or we're pulling them out of our pockets and we're throwing them away. We're letting them go. We're not hanging on to them anymore. Fear, you're gone. Unforgiveness, no longer are you dictating and controlling how I see people and how, how I'm walking in my relationships. Can I tell you, can I just, I just want to say, so good that so many of you responded because when we deal with these things, it helps us in our relationships, in our walk with God, but in our inter, daily interactions with people. It'll help you in your marriage. It'll help you in your friendships, in your family groups. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited that so many of you said, yes, God, I, want, I don't want these things in my life holding me back from what you've called me to do and who you've called me to be.